0: Good morning, New Year, old man. We'll see how those two go together. The scripture is printed out for you in the bulletin. Um, I'm not going to read all of that scripture, but it's there for your edification And if you haven't had opportunity to read it previously, I encourage you to do so. Before we turn to this portion of God's word, let's pray together. Father, may the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All the evidence said that Mitya was guilty. Mitya is one of the three brothers Karamazovs, the central figures in Dostoevsky's late 19th century novel, He's accused of murdering his father, he didn't, but all the evidence suggests that he did. Mitya's defense attorney, in his closing argument, questions the rumors about Mitya that are circulating throughout the town he asks, why must we assume what we imagine and imagine what we assume? It's a good question. In part, Joshua 21, verses, verse 41 through chapter 22, verse 23, or I should say all the way through the verse 34, It deals with a somewhat similar issue. Like I told you, the text is printed for you in your bulletin, but I'm gonna tell you the story in my own words, stopping to point out several key passages. The story just suddenly appears. I mean if you read through Joshua you're going through all of this detail about the distribution of the land and then suddenly this storyline appears in Joshua 22 particularly. Um, And it appears that perhaps along with the uh, two other closing chapters that the focus here seems to be on the children of Israel on the, uh, on the challenge that the children of Israel will face the challenge of remaining faithful to the Lord and if you know the book of Judges that follows you know how blatantly they're going to fail to meet that challenge. But This morning, I want to do what some might question, but I'm in the pulpit. So this morning, I want to focus on a lesson that I take from this chapter, a lesson in church government. A lesson that plays a significant role in the unfolding of this story. Now, you'll remember, you know the setting here. More than 40 years earlier, the Lord, through Moses, delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then following Moses' death, Joshua led them into the Promised Land. And then after several years of warfare, you read... Chapter 21, verse 43, this is what you read. The Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. Now, this gets a little complex, and I'm going to have to keep my right and left straight here hopefully in relationship to you. All right, so I may turn my back on you here. Um, The land they possessed is located both to the west and to the east of the Jordan River. Here's the Jordan River. The land they possess is located both to the west and to the east. Several years earlier, Before dying, obviously, Moses conquered the lands east of the Jordan and assigned them to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, the men of the two and a half tribes, I mean... We got our land, we can settle down, but they didn't. Instead of settling down in their God-given territory, they obeyed Moses. They obeyed Moses by faithfully following Joshua across the Jordan, fighting beside the men of the other nine and a half tribes, as together they battled to take possession of that land that was west of the Jordan. Now, as Joshua 22 begins, Joshua, you find he is praising the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh because of their faithful service. And he tells them, you see in the middle of verse 4 in chapter 22, he tells them, you can turn and go to your tents, to the land where your possessions lie on the other side, of the Jordan. You did what Moses told you to do, now you can return to the land that Moses assigned to you. And look at verse five. I'm sorry, we could be here for two hours if I just pause at verse five. Okay, I mean, you'll see why here in just a moment. Joshua instructs them in verse five, Be very careful to observe the commandments of the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. One, to love the Lord your God. Two, to walk in all his ways. Three, to keep his commandments. Four, I love this line, to cling to him. And five, to serve him with all of your heart. And with all of your soul, well, I mean, clearly that's a charge worthy of a sermon, and maybe someday I'll preach that sermon, but this morning I have to pre- press on. Now, in verse 10, look at down at verse 10. You learn that when the two and a half tribes crossed the Jordan from west to east, they built their, you see it in verse 10, They built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. Now, when the people living west of the Jordan learn about this altar, their response is swift. I mean, look at verse 10. You read, they gathered at Shiloh, which is where at that time the tabernacle was located. They gathered at Shiloh to make war against the two and a half tribes living east of the Jordan. A civil war is about to break out. The Western tribes assume and imagine But the eastern tribes have ignored Joshua's final instruction to keep the Lord's commandments because the Lord commanded the children of Israel to worship the Lord by offering up their thrice annual sacrifices and offerings upon the altar of the tabernacle which was located in Shiloh. That was a command from the Lord. Three times a year you'll gather together to worship me before the altar of the tabernacle. But now the evidence seems to suggest that the two and a half tribes have built a second altar. And it would assume they've built it to take the place of the altar of the tabernacle located in Shiloh. Now listen to me. If if what the Western tribes assume and imagine is true, it would be a direct transgression of the Lord's command to offer up their thrice yearly sacrifices and offerings only upon the altar of the tabernacle located then. At Shiloh. And therefore, in response to what they assume and imagine to be a blatant violation of the law, the nine and a half tribes are ready to go to war against their fellow Israelites. But now look at verses 13 and following. Thank the Lord, you're told, you're told in these verses that before marching off to battle, the people, the people make a very wise decision. They decide to appoint a committee to investigate and to praise the situation. Look at verses 13 and 14. The committee that is appointed is in reality, and just bear with me here, it is in reality a group of elders called here one chief of each of the nine and a half tribes, one elder from each of those nine and a half tribes, led by Phineas, the teaching elder, the high priest, if you will session, if you will, is elected by the people to provide for them the wisdom to determine what they should or should not do. Now look at verses 15 and following. These elders, led by the high priest, approach the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and in verse 16 they ask, what is this breach of faith? You have committed against the God of Israel. Why have you built this altar in rebellion against the Lord? Now, this committee knows. They know from past experience, they know what the consequences are if their Eastern brothers have transgressed the Lord's commandments. I mean, just skip around here with me. Look at verse 18. If you too rebel against the Lord, then today he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. They know what they're talking about. Look back at verse 17. Look back at verse 17, where the committee refers to what happened at Peor. Now look ahead to verse 20 where the committee refers to what happened because of Achan. You remember what happened? Some years before entering the promised land, while camped at Peor, many of the people of Israel began to worship Baal and to enter into sexual, uh, illicit sexual relationships with Moabite women. And as a result, God sent a plague which took the lives of more than 20,000 Israelites. Then, a while later, after they've crossed the Jordan, after the conquest of Jericho, Achan stole riches from the conquered city in direct violation of the Lord's instructions. And you remember, as a result, the Israelite army suffered A terrible defeat when they marched to battle against the city of Ai. Not remembering all of this, the elders are properly concerned. That if the two and a half tribes have deliberately chosen to rebel against the Lord by building an altar to replace the altar of the tabernacle, the nation as a whole is going to suffer the judgment of God. Look at verse 19. I'd love to dwell on verse 19 Look at verse 19. I mean, here's this tense situation. And and though ready to go to war, the concern of the Western tribes for their Eastern brothers is, is so great that they offer to provide the two and a half tribes territory within the land west of the Jordan Where presumably it would be easier for them to worship thrice yearly at the one true altar. But now look at verse 21. Finally, the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh have opportunity to respond to the accusations brought against them. Look at verse 22. Feel the emotion in verse 22. Feel the emotion here as these brothers cry out, the mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows and let all Israel itself know. And then Be sobered by verses 23 and 24 because they make it clear, the representatives of the two and a half tribes, they make it clear if they are guilty as charged, then they should not be spared, and that the Lord himself should take vengeance on them. Then look at verses 26 and 27 as they explain listen we didn't build the altar for bird offerings or sacrifices we built it to serve as a witness as a witness a witness to what a witness for whom We built it for a witness to our future generations so that they would understand that despite the fact that we are separated geographically by the Jordan River west from east, despite being separated, that we are part of the chosen people and that with them, Our children, for our children, the only place where they are to offer up the trice yearly sacrifices and offerings is before the altar of the Lord located in Shiloh. Look at verse 29. Can't you hear the cry Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord. Now look at verse 30. Having heard the answer given by the two and a half tribes to the accusations brought against them, you're told that the answer was good in the eyes of of the elders and when the elders cross back over the Jordan and report to the nine and a half tribes you're told in verse 33 it was good in the eyes of the people of Israel and they spoke no more about going to war quite a story. And like I said read the book of Joshua because it just suddenly pops up. Here's the story. Well allow me to suggest this morning that within this story is a lesson for us at this moment as a new year begins. Ahead of us are many difficult decisions to be made, many difficult issues to be faced, and being sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, rumors may circulate about what steps are being taken, about the dis- wisdom of the decisions being made about whether the issues are being addressed in a timely and wise manner. Now, by God's grace, hopefully, I pray this proves to be true, uh, the issues that concern us will not be to any great degree as significant as the one being faced here in Joshua 22. But, I suggest to you there's still a lesson here to be learned. By God's grace, by God's grace, and I mean that not flippantly, I mean that with all sincerity. By God's grace, you have a committee of elders, you have a session, elected and chosen by you, the people of this church. For them, you should be in unceasing prayer. For they are chosen by you and ordained by the Lord to strive by God's grace to lead us as a people in finding the next man to be our senior pastor. Let me tell you a secret. We're Presbyterians. If you're visiting here and you're going, we're what? Well, this is Covenant Presbyterian Church. We don't hide that name. It refers to our form of church government. We are a church governed by presbyters, that is, by elders, who when they sit together together as a session, humbly seek the Lord's guidance for us as a congregation. I'm gonna tell you another secret, because I worked with a lot of these guys for just a few decades. They're not perfect. Oh, that include me when I was part of that session. They're not perfect. Their decisions are not always flawless. Therefore, pray for them. Pray that they might know the mind of Christ. And then rest in the Lord's providence in providing for us a session chosen by you and ordained by the Lord to lead and guide you in the days ahead. I want you to talk about them. That is, I want you to talk about them to the Lord. Pray for them. Constantly. And by God's grace, may you and I confidently look forward to that day when all will be good in our eyes because we have sensed and seen the Lord's leading. And now this morning, the Lord leads us to his altar, to his table, to be encouraged, strengthened, to be refreshed as we partake of his body and of his blood. Because greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You feel like a friend of the Lord this morning? If by grace through faith you have embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, he views you as his friend. How do I know he views you as his friend? Because he laid down his life to pay the penalty for your sins that you might be viewed as wrapped in the spotless robes of his righteousness listen listen as jesus says to you for you i came for you i lived for you i died for you i rose for you I reign. For you, I am coming again. Now. No. No. You are my people. My church. And I will never leave or forsake you. Even as you pass through the challenging days ahead, I will be with you. So rest with confidence in those you have chosen and I have ordained to lead you. You are my church. And through you and your leaders, this is my promise. I will accomplish more than you can possibly ask Or imagine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the way in which you lead and guide us. May we rejoice and take comfort in your provision. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.